Hello and welcome to episode 27 of the Talk Witchcraft podcast. In this episode, Erica and I will be talking all about creating a ritual around cleaning. You're listening to Talk Witchcraft. On this podcast, we talk about witchcraft as a lifestyle and discover how to merge magic into your daily life. Every week, we'll demystify witchy topics like tarot, astrology, crystals, herbs, and more as you develop your personal brand of magic and create the life of your dreams. We're your hosts, the Mystic Sisters, Erica and Maggie. To start off the show, we look at our tarot card for the week and we look for moments that relate to this card in our daily lives. For this episode, we chose the Three of Cups. The theme of this card is a journey of friendship. The card shows a close-knit group of people. Friendships really are a series of moments like this, each one contributing to the next and then reminiscing about all the crazy times you've had together. It's just a very happy card with a lot of celebration and coming together in mutual friendship. It reminds me of how with friends, when one has something to celebrate, good friends will be really happy. There's not like jealousy or anything like that. It's just being happy for another person that you care about because they're happy. And that's reciprocated among all the friends. So no matter who has good news, everyone comes together and celebrates with the same amount of happiness as the last time. So do you have a story about the Three of Cups, Erica? Yeah, I, uh, you know, we've been in this COVID world where seeing people and being around people has been hard and prohibited in some cases. And uh, it's, we are entering this stage of being able to tentatively reach out to friends again and see people. Uh, me and my family moved into our house in November, and we haven't been able to have a housewarming party of any sort. But we wanted to be socially responsible, and when we did our housewarming, not to have like a hundred people in our house at one time. So we had planned to have small little gatherings with certain groups of people so that it's you know, 10 to 15 people instead of all of our friends at once. And we, so we just had the first of those parties um, a couple weekends ago. And it was just really casual. We had people bring kind of potluck sort of foods. We grilled on the grill and it was uh, right at Letha. And so I had a honey cake and I kind of incorporated my own summer solstice rituals into it that everybody was really excited about and interested in. And it was just a really fun time to, for everybody to reminisce about their year. Cause you know, these were people that we hadn't seen for a year to 18 months and uh, just coming together again in this potluck fashion with lots of um, joyful, like, oh my gosh, it's so great to see you again. It, it was, we got all got to talk about everything that we had been doing and new jobs and new families and new experiences and uh, really have that celebration again. That's so nice because uh, you can maintain those friendships remotely, but had that connection of like coming together is really important. So I'm glad you got to do that. Yeah. What about you, Maggie? What's your story? 
Well, my friends and I, we like to have game night. And in Portland, when I lived there, we did game night like pretty much every weekend and all of our friends would come over. And then we brought that with us when we moved to Florida, we got our friends uh, interested in board games. And, and over the course of COVID, we've had to move our game nights online as Zoom calls and then using a website to play those games still. But last weekend, well, actually it was a couple weekends ago that we had our first in-person game night, um, but it was also a bonfire. So last weekend was the first official game night where that was like the intention of the gathering. And it was just so much fun to be in person and, you know, getting to host and serve people food and drinks and all of that while also having the conversations and um, that happen between moves and between games. So we played the trolley puzzle game, which is a new one that Dana got for my birthday. And it was really kind of funny and morbid <laughs> but it was just nice to be with people in person not having you know the screen in between you or the glitches in communication and just being like close so that was that was my connection with the uh three of cups card shall we get on to our main topic for this week let's do it what is it magical cleaning Yay. I don't know about you, Erica, but I really don't like cleaning. I really would rather not do it at all. If I, if I could get away with not cleaning, I would. But um, especially as a person with ADHD, I have lower dopamine production than like a neurotypical person. So I often feel like there's always something, you know, more fun, more interesting. And it's really hard to motivate myself to do something that I don't see as fun no matter how important it is. So how do you feel about cleaning? Do you feel the same way or do you have, do you like it? <laughs> no, I feel the same way. I, I understand that it's important to keep your space looking nice. I know that <clears throat> when I don't clean and my house gets cluttered, I feel more and more stressed out. And I also, as a person with ADHD, suffer from the uh, object blindness. At some point, I look at a room and it doesn't look messy because all of my piles make sense to me. But to somebody else walking in, they might see it as just cluttered and disorganized. And, um, you know, I, I discovered that there is a stair spoon that has been on my stairs for who knows how long. And didn't even see it until my, until Kim pointed it out to me the other day and asked, what's this spoon doing here? And I was like, I just felt, I felt like a lost cause at that point. <laughs> oh gosh. We all have a, a, a stair spoon of some kind, or maybe we don't all, but I do. <laughs> well, regardless of how you listener feel about cleaning. If, if you're like Erica and I, or if you are, you know, somebody who loves it, which maybe you're a Monica or something, uh, it's really important to keep things clean, not only for health reasons because of sanitation, but also for uh, spiritual health, because like Erica said, the, the stress that comes in from the clutter and things like that, and it's good for mental health as well. So can you tell us why it's important to keep things clean, Erica? 
Sure. In some ways, cleaning both physically and energetically ties us back to what we were talking about in terms of maintaining a sacred space a couple episodes ago. Um, it's a never ending process of evaluating the things in your life and letting go of what no longer serves you. It's the process of releasing anything that is not helpful in order to welcome beneficial energy. Yeah. And another thing with um, ADHD is the executive dysfunction. So it can feel really overwhelming to, to think about all the things you have to keep up on when you have more space. Uh, there's a lot of places that need to be cleaned. So in order to make for myself to make it more fun, I make it more mystical and witchy. And so for me, I like to start with uh, defining the purpose of the space, because that's basically setting an intention for how I want to feel when I'm in that space. And we talked about that with the um, sacred space conversation in a previous episode, but I assigned each space in my home to a zodiac sign and the corresponding astrological house, because each sign has an astrological house as well. And then following the lunar cycle, each the moon moves through each of the zodiac signs. And so then I will clean according to which sign the moon is in. So as an example for Aries, I've assigned that to be the porch or the like entry areas of the home, even the windows, because that's the Im first impression that someone would have. And Aries is the sign of self um, or like, you know, keeping yourself as first and the way that you appear to the world. So um so for that one, I do the porch in the entryway. That's the first thing that people would see. And the rest of the signs will have as a handout that you can download on mumblesandthings.com slash blog slash zero to seven. And you'll be the way that I've assigned all of the other zodiac signs to different parts of the house. And you might not have all of these rooms, but you know, you can make connections based on what you have in your own home. Now, do you have any tips for making cleaning more witchy or manageable, Erica? It's almost like we're sisters um, because I do much the same thing. And I don't think I go quite into the depth of, you know, the Zodiac piece, but I definitely have zones that I tackle one at a time. And, um, and I think that that's just helpful because then you're not feeling overwhelmed by having to get it all done in one go or one weekend, and you can kind of spread it throughout your week and throughout your month. Um, and, and there's also not such a feeling of letdown and disappointment, which is not great for the ADHD brain if you miss one. So, you know, if it, let's say, you know, when the moon is in Aries and I miss cleaning my front door one month, you know, like there's, there's still tomorrow. There's still the next thing that I can do in the next uh, cycle of the moon and I can get to it next month. And um, it doesn't feel quite as detrimental. Um, the other thing that I do is I make it a game or like a race, I guess, for myself. And I see how many things I can get done in 20 minutes or um, how many how many, how many toilets I can scrub, you know, or uh, how many pieces of clothing I can hang up from the laundry and, and just kind of make it a race with myself and try to beat my time for last time or, you know, anything that just makes it a little bit more fun and engaging. 
Yeah, I actually do the same thing. Um, I set a timer for 15 minutes. And for me, it's not necessarily so that I, uh, in like what you said, that it's a game, how much can I get done in 15 minutes? It's for me, it's more a uh, commitment that I only have to do it for 15 minutes. And once I get started, that's enough motivation that I can usually keep going past that mark. Um, but setting a timer is super helpful for getting going that initial hurdle to get cleaning. Um, and then it becomes more meditative, which I think a lot of people enjoy about cleaning. So people who do like cleaning <laughs> find it to be really calming, I think. Um, mm -hmm. but anyway, um, we talked about the energetic clean cleansing last week as part of the preventative protection measures. So we're going to talk a little bit more about physical cleaning in this episode and decluttering those objects that are, you know, blocking the flow of energy in the space. And so we talked about the timer. That's my first step. And then depending on how long it's been since I last decluttered, I'll take two garbage bags and a box or a basket. And what's the next step there, Erica, for decluttering? Then it's time to go through every drawer, every closet, pantry, cupboard, shelf, better, bed, basket, pocket, purse, wallet, whatever. It's, you know, in, in that space. So let's say we're cleaning the bedroom. You go through everything in the bedroom. Um, and sometimes I will literally take out everything from a drawer and just like dump it on the bed. And I look at each other item and I consider whether it's um, it it's in the right space, if it's serving its purpose, or if it's something that I can let go. So if it does serve its purpose, um, I set it aside out of the way so that it can be cleaned and returned after I clean out the drawer or after, you know, clean off the top of the shelf. If it doesn't serve the purpose in the space, I put it in the box so that it can, can be cleaned and carried to its more appropriate home and it can be better um, used. So like, you know, my friend Kim, she has a habit of uh, drinking milk. She really loves milk and she drinks it everywhere. She even takes it into sh the shower with her and I just don't understand, but she has a very bad habit of leaving her glasses all over the house. And so this would be a case of her putting the glass into that box and then she can carry it, all of the glasses back to the kitchen where they live and where they better serve their pur their purpose. Or your um, stair spoon could also go in the box. <laughs> my stair spoon could go in the box. <laughs> um, but if it's, if it's usable but no longer needed in your space, then it's important to bless it, say thank you to it, you know, and then put it in the garbage bag so that it can be given away or if it's not usable anymore to put it in another garbage bag that can be disposed of. Um, I think, you know, it's silly. It's very Marie Kondo. It, it's, it feels juvenile and um, childish to say thank you to these objects, but it, it's really not about believing that they are, they can hear you. It's more about uh, releasing that energy and saying like, I'm done with you and it's okay for me to let you go. So it's, it's more about, for me at least, that piece of it than um, actually thinking, thanking the object for its time. Yeah, I totally agree because 
Well, sometimes I do think some objects have some sort of spirit. It's it's more about, I mean, I have hoarder tendencies where I'm like, but I might need this someday. Like, especially mm-hmm. jars, I collect witches, we collect jars. And sometimes you don't need that many jars, Maggie. <laughs> so, so it's, you know, it's, it's okay to say, thank you jar for holding the jelly. And thank you for having the potential to be a beautiful witch bottle for me. But I can't keep you. I don't have an attachment to you. And it's time for you to go in the recycling bin. <laughs> so. Exactly. Yeah. So what's next, Maggie? So after, you know, evaluating each of these items in the space, it's time to wipe down the surfaces, dust, to sweep the floor, to mop the floor if necessary, wipe the walls around the area if if it's time to do that. And I think it's important that as you're cleaning, as you're doing all of these cleaning actions to keep the intention of that space in mind. So we talked about that before is deciding what the intention of the space is. Is it supposed to be welcoming like the front entrance? Is it supposed to be nurturing and nourishing like in the kitchen? Is it for um, bedtime sexy time in the bedroom? All of these different things that you might establish your spaces to have as an intention. And then, And in terms of cleaning products, most of the time, strong cleaners aren't actually necessary. So they can also even make you sick or they can um, smell really bad. Like I don't like the smell of some of those strong cleaners, especially if they have like bleach in them. And they also aren't very earth friendly and things that aren't earth friendly aren't witch friendly. So you can get natural cleaners that are, you know, commercially available, or you can also make them yourself. It's really inexpensive and it's super easy. Plus you can add things like essential oils that add that magical intention of the herbs to your cleaning supplies. So there's actually a downloadable resource that'll show you some recipes for these do-it-yourself cleaning products. Usually you start with base ingredients like vinegar, baking soda, borax, and things like that, making sure that you research what's safe to mix together, and then adding those powerful essential oils, which creates a really wonderful smell. um, And like I said, a boost of magical energy. So cleaning with these natural products that you either buy or make yourself. And then when everything is free of the grime, the dirt, the dust, the pet hair, the dander, all of that stuff, you can return the items that belong there. And as you begin this process of moving things around, you'll notice that things are starting to shift but things begin to settle when you put things back where they belong. So the energy is kind of up in the air as you're cleaning and moving things around, and then it settles back down to the intention of the space. Should we take a break from our main topic to tell our listeners about the herb of the week? That sounds good. What is the herb of the week? This episode is brought to you by eucalyptus. All right, so Erica, tell us the medicinal properties of eucalyptus. Okay, so the Latin name is eucalyptus globulus, which sounds gross. It's a native to Tasmania and Australia, but it has been cultivated in Spain and Portugal, Brazil, Colombia, Mexico, and India, um, in some African countries. So it does grow around the world. It is also known as the blue gum tree, which, you know, you hear about it in uh, all of those 
child songs from Australia. Kookaburra sits in the old gum tree. And there are over 700 different species of eucalyptus. And at least 500 of them produce the essential oil that is most well-known and uh, important in medicinal oils. It is an analgesic and it, it's an expectorant and a decongestant. It's antiseptic and um, it increases blood circulation. So it's really great for, you know, if you have a cold or if you have a cut, it helps um, to put some eucalyptus on it topically. It is usually used in the form of a tincture for asthma or chronic bronchitis, uh, often, often used in aromatherapy. And I've heard of a lot of people who will hang a um, branch of it in their shower. So the steam from the shower will actually induce the feeling of like a Vicks vapor rub, which is Vicks is really trying to be eucalyptus. And so awesome for the respiratory tract. Uh, it's good for, you know, joint pain uh, and anything like that, any type of um, rheumatoid arthritis. It's just a really great herb and it smells lovely too, although very strong. I do caution you though, the listener on using it around pets. Uh, my cat in particular, if she sees here, smells it, if I'm using it near her, she will leave the room. Um, it's very, very strong. They don't like the smell of it. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure of, of its toxicity. I just know that they're very sensitive to it. And um, so if you are using it around pets, make sure that they are able to leave the room if they are uncomfortable with it. It's also not indicated for babies or children, or at least topically around their face. So they can smell it like with aromatherapy, but don't put it on them because it's just a harsh plant. Do you have some magical properties of eucalyptus? I do. So eucalyptus is associated with cancer. That's why we're talking about it. And it's also associated with the moon. So any spells or rituals that you want to correspond with the moon or with cancer, you can use eucalyptus as a representative herb for those energies. Also the water element, it's a water herb and it's a passive herb. So uh, instead of an active herb, it's more passive, it's receptive it's used to represent all of those different energies. It's also perfect for attracting healing vibrations. As Erica talked about, it's really healing um, the medicinal properties. So it can be used for spells that are designed for healing and for protection as well. So because it is harsh, like Erica said, it can be really repellent of energies that you don't want around you. So it can repel those. So using it in like a healing poppet in a pillow or a sachet. So for healing in general and, as, and particularly for relieving anxiety because it is calming as well. A lot of these uh, magical uses are based on those medicinal uses because of the effects that it has on a chemical level. So he, for healing or for relieving anxiety, um, one thing that you can do with the dried leaves is to place them around like a blue candle. Blue represents healing and calming. So you could burn the candle and with the leaves around it, kind of charging the candle with their energy, that would be a good ritual for 
healing and calming anxiety. Um, if you're having issues in a relationship, eucalyptus can be used for reconciling those issues. It can give you the strength to have those difficult conversations, to apologize if you're struggling with that, or to face someone and tell them that you're having this issue um, and you need the support from them to maintain that relationship. Uh, it's a purifying herb as well. One thing Erica talked about is to hang the leaves in the shower and you can do that as part of purification as well. So you can use the shower as a ritual for purification of your own energy field. And also if you mix the dried leaves or if you boil the leaves in water, add that water to a spray bottle, you can use that spray as a healing or a purifying spray for your space. So it's one way to, it's another way to cleanse a space like we were talking about energetically. Um, or you can use the essential oil, which is a little bit easier than the boiling of the dried leaves. So adding the essential oil to the spray bottle as well. So one common thing that people know about eucalyptus is that it's one of the main food sources for koalas. They are often associated with one another. And so if you are hoping to work with a koala spirit in your spell work, then using eucalyptus can call that spirit to your um, ritual, to your spells, to help you with whatever the purpose of your spell is. Additionally, the reason that koalas love eucalyptus is because it's kind of like a drug for them. It makes them calm and sleepy. So if you're having trouble sleeping or calming yourself, as we've talked about with the anxiety issues, um, eucalyptus helps with that, like it helps a koala bear. Not a koala bear, a koala. So let's, should we get back to our main topic of magical cleaning, Erica? Yeah, so here are some more tips for cleaning magically. It was mentioned before, but it's really important to establish your intention before you start cleaning. Keep reminding yourself of the intention of the space as you go. This is motivating and also a simple way to charge the space with that intention. I know that sometimes uh, when I get going in, a, in the, you know, my bedroom is the one that I clean the most, but um, I'll just be getting going and I'll see something that I'm like, oh yeah, this is great. I love this. And I, if I forget that my intention is for the bed, bedroom to be a calming space and the particular object is more of a awakening thing I need uh, you need to have that intention in there to be like oh wait this doesn't go here I need to find it a new home um or you know if it's the front entry thinking of things that need to be near the front entry but don't you know at, versus the things that don't necessarily that could be hidden away in a closet or hidden um in the laundry room you know so just reminding yourself constantly of what that intention is yeah, exactly. And then, so that's at the beginning and, and throughout the cleaning process is maintaining that idea of the intention. And then at the end of the cleaning process, whenever you feel like you've, you know, done what is needed in that space, I like to say a prayer or express gratitude in some way for the activity, for the cleaning process. So for, for one thing, it charges the space with the energy that I want in the space of what that intention is and it kind of solidifies it so basically it's it 
settles that energy into the space. The prayer or the thanks could come in many different forms. It could be, you know, playing music, it could be dancing, singing, having sex, cooking a meal, reading a book, doing a tarot reading, whatever is right for the space is going to set the atmosphere or the tone for the atmosphere. And it's also really important to pay attention to your emotions and use cleaning to help reset your attitude. I know a lot of people who, when they're feeling angry or stressed or another uh, lower emotion, that they channel it into cleaning and transmute it into another emotion like accomplishment. Um, I have so many friends who like stress clean and Kim is one of them. So our kitchen gets really clean whenever she's stressed at work. And it's just, it's amazing how, (laughs) how clean our kitchen can get. And I can tell just how stressed her, her work is making her feel. So, um, I think it's also too important to think about your emotions as you're doing the cleaning. And that if something is stressing you out during the process of the cleaning to take a minute and examine what's causing you that stress. You know, uh, Maggie and I both lost, we lost our grandparents early um, at the beginning of last year. Yeah, last year. And um, when we were cleaning out their house, you know, these, these feelings of grief keep arising. And it's really important to take a moment and examine what's causing that grief for you know, if you are sitting there and cleaning and all of a sudden you just start laughing to like be in the moment and be like, why is this object causing me to laugh? Or why am I feeling joy about this? Why am I feeling sadness about this? And to examine those emotions to help you determine if it's something that you need to let go of, or if it's something you need to keep and um, memorialize as like, maybe this object needs to be on display. Yeah, so paying attention to your emotions in general, just in general in life, decluttering, especially a lot of times we form these attachments to the things that we have. So figuring out, like you said, what's causing this feeling to come up uh, can be really helpful. Um, So I mentioned before about assigning the zodiac sign to each room in your house. And then when the moon is in that zodiac sign, uh, you clean that area. And the moon is actually in each sign for about two days, sometimes like three days, depending on when it moves into the next sign. And so it can be really helpful to break up what needs to be done in that room into a couple of days, um, especially if it's like a big job, if you haven't done it in a while. So one way to do that is on the first day, you can the decluttering and then on the second day, doing the cleaning or doing a physical cleaning on the first day and an energetic cleaning on the second day or just doing cleaning on one day and then the next day having a rest um, just to kind of break it up so that uh, you don't feel overwhelmed. It kind of gives you more time. That's a good idea. I might consider that. I also like the idea of um, putting it into the Zodiac because then it doesn't feel so stagnant that you're always cleaning the bathrooms on Monday. Or, you know, doing, doing a job that you hate on the same day every week means that those things never get done. Mm. Um, and so by, I, I feel like if you're doing it through a lunar cycle, moving with the Zodiac, then it kind of gives it a little bit of a change that feels better. Yeah. And then also if you 
happen to always be really busy on a Tuesday, like you have clubs and work and meetings and things back to back to back, you might not always have the same thing each month on a Tuesday. So it gives you a mm-hmm. chance to hit it on, on every day. But. Yeah. So the last thing that we wanted to talk about was essential oils. Uh, I mentioned it a little bit when, you know, we were talking about eucalyptus, but it's, oh, they're wonderful tools, especially and always when you are using them safely. They're very potent. So try not to get them directly on the skin. Although if they do contact your skin, um, you can use um, a carrier oil to dilute it. Coconut oil is great. I mean, even if you're in the kitchen and all you've got is olive oil, you know, it works. Uh, You don't want to necessarily use water because it can drive the oils deeper into your skin. But if all you have available is the water, make sure you run the soap on top of it first before putting the water, washing it off with the water. That's a good tip. Um, And don't forget to check if your oils are safe to use around your pets. Yes. Because a lot <laughs> of them aren't. <laughs> Especially and, cats. You know, <clears throat> yep. Cats can't tolerate anything. Um, you know, there's a lot of mixed information about whether or not they're safe to use. Really, um, the, just just watch your pet. If, if you notice that they're irritated by it, like I said, you know, my cat doesn't use, like to be around eucalyptus and she always leaves when I'm using it. So I, I try not to diffuse eucalyptus very often because I know it's going to bug her or I use it in a room that I know she never goes in. Um, and so just watch them. They'll let you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think the one thing to do is to make sure that whatever room you're using essential oils in, there's space for a cat or a dog to escape so that they can, because that's one way that they'll tell you they don't like it. They'll leave, like you said, with pork chops. So um, yeah, making sure that there's a place to go or the windows are open. So it's kind of diluted and all that. But we want to take care of our pets first. Exactly. So now it is time to move on to our moon magic assignment for this week. And the moon is in the new moon phase of the four quarters. Now at the new moon, this is a transition point. We talked about the full moon being a transition point from waxing or growing to waning or declining. And the new moon is the opposite going from declining to growing. And so at the new moon, we set intentions that they can grow as the moon gets bigger, our intention will get bigger as well, or get closer or get attracted to us. And the way that I view moon intentions is as since the moon is our um, reflective, internal, passive planet compared to the sun, which is an active, external, projective um, planet. So the sun is good for setting goals that involve things that happen in your external life. So things like, you know, career goals, relationship goals, and the moon is good for goals that that have to do with your internal life. So how you feel, um, you know, your belief system, what you value and those kinds of things. So setting goals in alignment with your internal world. So do you have a intention, an intention for this new moon, Erica? 
Yes, I do. So I have started a new job and all the month of June, I was training and supervising and learning and starting next week. I am on my own. So my intention is to ask questions and you know, work through my caseload and be deliberate with what I am doing and make sure that I'm following all of the procedures that I, in the ways that I'm supposed to follow it in the way that I've learned. What about you? My intention for this new moon I've been doing a lot of reflecting on Mumbles Academy over the last couple of weeks. Uh, many people who were members of Mumbles Academy know that we have taken it down in order to build it up again. And so now is I've done so much, put a lot of thought in as the moon was waning and planning during that time. And now it's time to really get the ball rolling and building things up. So my intention is to be more intentional with how Mumbles, Mumbles Academy is put together. So now it's your turn. We want you to go to witchwanderer.com and find the latest game. This week we are answering a question from you all. So this question is from Katie who asks, were you ever in a, the broom closet? And if so, how did you come out? And for me, I don't think I ever was in the broom closet. I was blessed with, and Maggie too, with a mom who was very interested in the divine feminine when we were growing up. And my, all of my high school friends were into fantasy and fairies and tarot and going to the, dressing up and going to the Ren Fair and all things witchy. And I was free to explore and ask questions and learn and so yeah I, I don't think I was in the broom closet yeah obviously we have similar upbringings because we grew up in the same house so I was always so I feel the same way I was always free to you know explore and question things the only time I ever felt in the closet was when going to my husband's like work things because I didn't want to be his weirdo wife or embarrass him in any way. Um, but I did recently talk to him about it and, and I, I'm out with his bosses and coworkers and everyone. They know exactly what I do. They, they, some of them have read my book and everything. So then um, they've all been really kind and supportive and I had nothing to worry about. <laughs> so, and actually even his boss asked if I would help her curse someone who was being a jerk at a holiday party once so <laughs> um yeah. so yeah I don't feel like I was ever you know forced into it or feel felt like I would be you know discriminated against it was more just like not wanting to um do anything that would negatively impact his work yeah and I think that that's important too because there, there's there's something about having discretion and then there's you know, being forced to hide who you are. And it's, 
I, I feel for those witches who feel who can't because of family reasons or work reasons or whatever. Um, it, it's hard to hide a part of yourself. So yeah, definitely blessed and privileged to not have had to experience that. Yeah, I totally agree. Like I know I've talked with some people in the Facebook group about, you know, losing a custody battle because of their witchcraft practice and their ex-husband didn't uh, want their kids raised with a witch. He wanted a Christian upbringing and uh, people who've lost jobs or had to hide their practice for fear of being discriminated against. So there's definitely people out there and I do um, empathize with them. Before we close the episode for this week, we'll talk about the tarot card for next week, which is the Four of Cups, just counting up from two. And uh, so the Four of Cups is about uh, doubt and hesitation and introspection. So we see, you know, the character sitting by the tree and he's looking away from a cup that's being handed to him. So it's that idea of like apathy, not really caring about the, the opportunities being presented to a person, um, also taking things really personally, and all of those kinds of things. So we'll be talking more about this next week, Erica and I will be, and we will share our stories that have to do with this energy of the Four of Cups. And as you go throughout this week, dear listeners, I hope that you look for the themes of the Four of Cups as well. You can share those with us. And if you want to, you can even leave us a voicemail. Just send it to welisten at talkwitchcraft.com and um, we will play it live on the show so that you can share with our listeners your experience with this card or any of the other cards we've talked about, the Three of Cups, the Two of Cups, or the Queen of Cups. You can find out more about this episode by going to mumblesandthings.com slash blog slash 027. Join us next week when we talk about kitchen witchcraft. And make sure that you subscribe so that you are notified about each new episode. Please help other witches find this show and leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram at mumblesandthings.com. And join us in the Mumbles Academy to chat about this episode with other witchy folk. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>